0: Well, I'm not seeking to open wounds here, okay? Uh, I, I, but we did lose Grayson back in November, and um, he he graduated uh, this weekend, and his dad was here to receive the diploma, and they had the tree dedication this weekend, this Saturday, and that was, I thought it was really good what they do there. Uh, we had a good time there, and... Um, And when Mike told me he was coming in, we both agreed it would be good to hear some of what God has been doing through testimony of grace and through his life, and and then also just say some words, preach to us a little bit. So uh, I'm honored that you're here, brother, and uh, I'm glad you're here with us. So come and speak. We've got you some water under here, but that doesn't mean we want you to preach all night. And so you come on up ahead. And um, I say that for the comfort of the saints, amen. Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: Brother, the honor is
0: all mine to be able to come back in
1: Gracious Church and to to just to share with the people who, who who all loved each other and loved him. So I appreciate that. So, And the song singing tonight was amazing. Um, I, I really enjoyed coming here because um, I like how you guys sing out of the Psalms um, and out of the Word of God. Amen. I got my watch here just in case, okay? But... um. I wanted to, I thought that it would be appropriate to share with you about some of the things that God has done through this, and he's right. This message tonight, I just want to make this clear, this message tonight is not about Grayson at all. It's not about me, it's about God and what he does in our lives, and it's absolutely amazing. Now, our church went through some, oh, how, was, how did you word that during the COVID time? Um, you lost the momentum. That's what she said. And uh, our church, I think churches across the U.S., for the most part, had that same effect when um, when a lot of the mayors and cities and um, governors put restrictions on, on us. And, and I don't know if it was necessarily planned in the first that way with churches, but um, our church continued to meet. We met outside. And uh, our preachers, we brought in an 18-wheeler, dropped the... Dropped the trailer off. We had a tent over the top, and everybody came in with their cars. And uh, we had, um, uh, we broadcasted over FM so they could listen. And their amen was when they honked the horn. <laughs> that was their amen. But then, as, uh, as it progressed through, our pastors, we, we went to two services for that same reason um, so we could keep our distancing up. Um, but um, at Christmas time, we, you know, we, we drew the line. That was it. And we just told our members that you know, if you feel comfortable enough to come to church, you can wear a mask if you want to. If you don't, you know, that's fine. If you feel like you want to sit back, I think there's, there's no judgment whatsoever. And, and it was really, really, really good. And so for Christmas, what we did was we portrayed the, um, the story and the birth of Christ. And, but what we did was we had every different sections in our church, we had a particular room. So one was the stable, and then the other one was, was um, um, oh, my mind just went blank. Anyways, so we had these different stations, and then by the time that, um, oh, we had the room with the, um, um, the Magi. We had the room with the Magi coming, and then we had another room. I can't remember what that was. Easter's in my mind right now, and I'm trying to shift back to, to Christmas. But, uh, and then by the time that we took these folks through in different groups, probably about maybe 10 to 12 max, and we'd rotate them through, and then, then they ended up in the auditorium, and then that's where we, we witnessed them, and we, and we shared the Lord with them, and I took Grace's Bible, and I took his um, service, his pamphlet, the William from His Service, and I just shared with them, I said, you know, I said, if you died today, where would you end up at? I said, my son, and this was, now, I didn't get back to Oklahoma until December 2nd. His funeral was on the 30th, and, um, so Christmas, I think we did this on the 18th, like maybe two weeks, a little over two weeks after this. So everything is still fresh inside. But God gave me the strength and the power and the the wisdom to do this. And I said, okay, Lord, this is what you want me to do, I'll I'll do it for you. And it was hard. But I shared with him about, you know, my son just passed away just a few days ago. And I showed him his pamphlet and I, I said and I walked him through the scriptures. I said, You just don't know what, what's gonna happen. And out of that, just Christmas alone. I think we had five, four or five souls saved that I personally witnessed to that God used through what happened with Grayson to do that. So, now, we, I think we had, I don't know what the total was. I hate numbers. I really, really do. But it's nice to kind of see where you're moving in, in a direction. And so um, just the ones that, out of the, out of the groups that I had, there was five there. And then we had Easter um, that, um, that, that, that came upon it. And, and again, um, we had different rooms. Now, this, we had a judgment room. Uh, we had a room with the cross. Um, we had the room with, with the, um, the tomb, not the tomb, the, um, the Garden of Gethsemane. And then in the auditorium, we had a tomb that was behind us. I'll send you some pictures of those. And we had the tomb that was behind us. And so our pastor, once everybody got through these different stations, then our pastor would, would witness. And our, our goal was to reach the children. So we put out, we sent out bus, picked up kids and bring them in and for this and um, their parents came and so we had the, the children that come up and, and we reached man, I don't know how many we reached probably like at least 15, 15 I think, I forget what our goal was but we uh, we, we hit our goal for, that, for witnessing and leading people to the Lord with that. And so you know, people want to worship a baby but they don't want to worship Christ on the cross and and so there's so many churches out there that chase Easter eggs and and you know and, and that's not what it's about and and I was really thankful for the, for our preacher doing what he did and had the vision that he had to do it and it involved the whole church, it was it was really phenomenal and um, so I think we're up to um, um, I think the Lord is up to six I think so let's seven of, of of personal witnessing of what's happened through grace and getting saved so I'm okay with that in fact I'm very much okay with that. That's okay with that. So I'll talk a little bit more about that. But again, this message is about how how God works in our lives and um, how he uses circumstances to get us to where he wants us to be. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for um, the saints that are here tonight. Lord, and we pray for Ralph and the the Hollingsworth family that um, you would encourage them and um, help them to keep your eyes on you and to... um, Maybe to glean some of, the, some of the hardships that I went through tonight. That, Lord, if I can comfort somebody, oh, praise the Lord. It's, it's all the glory and honors for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'll talk a little bit more about, about that a little bit later. But the thing is, I've been a Christian for almost 50 years. I got saved when I was, when I was quite young. And um, the years that I've been a Christian... There's not one time that God has ever said to me, Mike, what would you like to do? <laughs> not a single time. He's always told me what he's wanted me to do, never asking what I'd like to do. <laughs> the second thing I noticed about God is that he's never made any adjustments in his plan to suit my plan or my purpose. Right. Yeah. He's always required that I make the adjustments to suit his plan or his purpose. <laughs> now, the reason is because he's God and he's absolutely perfect in all wisdom and knowledge and understanding. He knows exactly what's best for us at all times. So he's not going to be asking me what i like to do or asking how he needs to adjust his plan to suit my plan. He's only going to be telling me what to do because he's an all-wise God. Amen. You see, God is not a servant. He is the sovereign of the universe. He is the creator of mankind. He has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And his purpose and his plan is always the best. He's not the God that most people think he is. indifferent, distant, uninterested, or uninvolved in our life except in times of an emergency. That's not who he is. He is a very involved God who desires to be involved in every facet of our life. Giving us direction, clear direction, in order that you and I can discover what his purpose and plan is for our life. And walk in that plan and find life at its very best. And achieve and accomplish the things he has for us. And you see, he always knows what's best. He doesn't sometimes know what's best. He always knows what's best. And if I can agree with him that he always knows what's best and get in line with what he believes is best, then I'm going to experience his best for my life at that time. Now, sometimes that requires adjustments, but not on God's part. You see, one of the attributes that God possesses is that he is immutable. That means he's absolutely changed less. There's nothing about God that changes, not a single thing. Because if he is the perfection... And the absolute of the qualities that he possesses, let it be omnipotence, we know that's all powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnisapient, all-wise, omnipresent, present everywhere. And there's approximately 10 of those attributes that our finite minds have been able to identify from the word of God of the divine attributes between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So if God's not going to make a change, who has to make the adjustments? We do as children of God. You see, being immutable means that that if God changed, he changed for the less. And he's not going to change. He's a personal loving creator who has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And his purpose, his plan is always the best. Amen? So open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Now, it's important that I find this water right here. It's important for us to take a moment and look this way for a second, and then we'll come back on this trail here. It's not a rabbit trail, but sometimes, sometimes we're forced to make adjustments that God never intended us to make. Now Romans eight twenty eight is always true, but let me give you an example. Our home church. I'm from Alaska. uh, Paul, Josh, and Grayson were all born there. Home church is uh, Anchorage Baptist Temple. Uh, Our pastor was Jerry Prover, just recently retired. And um, we had an outreach ministry of, of buses like no other church I've ever seen. For any given grade for Sunday school, we had four classes. So let's pick fourth grade. So fourth grade, we had two classes over here. You'd have the bus kids, Bus boys, bus girls. Then over here, on this side, on the fourth grade, on this side, we have the drive-in kids. Drive-in boys, drive-in girls. They have different spiritual needs. So it was, <clears throat> and we had a lot of helpers in the church, and that really helps. <clears throat> and so this this young boy has his and his and his sister. Uh, his mom and dad got divorced, and his dad had. Uh, Sunday visitation, right? So he'd pick up the kids on Sunday. He'd go to church. He'd take the kids to church. And then the children would go to their classes. And they were, they were driving kids. <clears throat> this went on for, for many months, um, probably a little over a year. And um, then one day, his dad comes and said, listen, I, I need to move. I need, you know, I, I need to, I'm going to move to California. And this little boy, he, he had no idea where California was. He never lived anywhere else outside of, the, outside of his town there. And so um, he left, and so he would look out the window on Sundays, waiting for his dad, but his, he didn't know if his, how far his dad went away, but his dad never came. <clears throat> so he saw the Sunday school bus with, uh, it wasn't called Anchorage, it was a Bible Baptist church, I believe, back in, yeah, Bible Baptist church. <clears throat> and um, so the next Sunday came around, he was ready. That bus comes by, he jumps, out, he jumps on this bus. And he goes to church and he's looking for his dad. And the Sunday school teachers handled it very, very well. And so right after, right after Sunday school was out, he said, you know, I'm going to go look for my dad and see if, in, see if he's in the auditorium. And he would run to the auditorium. So you see, sometimes, sometimes we're forced to make adjustments that God never intended us to make. And Romans 8.28 is always true, but sometimes we take that out of context. And we know that all things work. Sometimes we think it's for my good. That's not what the Bible says. It's for, it's for God's good. Sometimes we're, we can be benefited from that to see the outcome of that, and sometimes we don't until, until we're glorified with the Lord. But all things do work good. Sometimes not always necessarily what we see, or like uh, I think what uh, Brother Justin was talking about in Sunday school this morning. <clears throat> so, what, so now let's go back. Let's get back on, on track here. So what are some of the adjustments that God had to make? Let's look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And I left my reading glasses back home, and I'm reading through the Psalms today and um, through the psalm book, and my eyes are shocked. Um, Matthew chapter 4. Let's start in verse 17. So let's, uh, let's remind ourselves what's just taken place. Um, Jesus had been baptized. Um, He'd gone up to the mountain and he'd heard that John the Baptist had just become imprisoned. So he moves down an elevation. He goes north, but down an elevation to the north shore of the Sea of Galilee to a town called Capernaum. This brings us to verse 17. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren Simon. Here, here, my eyes are shut. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, cast the net in the sea. For they were fishers, and he saith unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And then straightway they left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. Now this is one of many places in the Bible that when God causes to do something. We have to make adjustments. And this is where most people miss it in life. God reveals something to them that he wants them to do. It's a little bit distant. It's off in the distance. They, they're wondering how they're going to get from where they are to where they need to be. And all of a sudden they have a, a faith crisis. They become fearful. They don't know how everything's going to work out. Can, how am I going to support my family? How's this going to work? How's that going to work? And God doesn't give us any details that's what he was talking about this morning. And so, and so when, when, when God reveals what he wants us to do for us, we have a decision to make. Are we gonna be obedient? Are we gonna hesitate? Or are we gonna go our own way? It's sadly to say, if, if most Christians would just be obedient, you would see what God has for you on the other side. It's amazing. So one of the, one of the things that these four fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, had to deal with was they had to make adjustments in their belief system. Now, if you if you've done any study, and I believe your pastor here is very thorough, but... <clears throat> They'd been taught all their life that when the Messiah's coming, he's coming in strength and power and he's going to break the rule of Rome and they were going to be the people that God wanted them to be. This man, he comes walking along the Sea of Galilee. There's no armada behind him, no chariots. He's got sandals on. He says he's the Messiah. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And all of a sudden, they've had a crisis in their belief system because this is not who the Messiah, who they thought that was going to come. So take a moment to think about your faith. If somebody came in here and said, now we know what the word of God says, okay? But we have a huge advantage that they didn't have. We have a lot more revelation than what they had. They had the, their, their fathers, their, their patriarchs, the, they had the Torah, they had um, the law, they had all these, the tabernacle, the the, the, the showbread, the, the, the menorah, the, the, the candlestick, the, the brazen labor, the, the, the tent stakes they had to put up all the way for the, the curtains, the, 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 the mercy seat, the, the, the priests with, with Aaron's family, and, and they had to have the bells and the pomegranates, the bells and the pomegranates, the bell all the way around. I mean, and, and, the, and the stones in his breastplate that represented the 12 tribes. That's how they worshiped, sacrificing. All of a sudden, this guy comes walking along. And he says, "I am. I am the Messiah. I am the sacrifice. You've seen me. You've seen the Father." Like, okay. So they had to make a huge adjustment in their belief system, and it wasn't easy. If you turn to uh, John chapter one, and I really got to move here. John chapter 1. Let's drop down to uh, verse 35. And this is probably going to have to be the last verses that I read. And again the next day after John stood and the two of his disciples, that's John the Baptist, and looking upon Jesus as he walked and saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples, the two disciples that were with John, Heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them, and said, Follow them, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is being interpreted, Master, Where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came, and they saw, and they bowed with him for that day, for the whole day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two disciples that heard, that heard John speak, okay, one of John the Baptist's disciple and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He findeth his, his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, we found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. So you see, that particular event right there took place before Jesus in Matthew chapter four. So God always calls us, and he always gives us time to adjust. So the whole time that when Peter and Andrew were sitting there casting nets in the sea. They had this thing thinking in the back, they're in the thing of background. Well, what about Jesus? What do you think? Are you thinking he's a Messiah? Yeah, he's a Messiah. And they're talking, and they're thinking that you cannot not think about this because this is a huge event in their life. So what's on their mind? They're, they're wondering about, you know, how many fish they got where they got that caught, where they got that good catch last time. You know, well, you know, James and John are mending their nets. Maybe we'll take a look at ours when we're done. At the back of their mind, you know, they're pondering this. All of a sudden, Jesus comes along and says, come follow me. And God had already prepared their hearts to be obedient and to follow. But it was their choice to follow them, but they did. So they made adjustments in their belief system. And it was difficult. They also had to make adjustments in their commitments. Commitments with their family, their relationships, their friends, their marriage, their vocation. You see, Fishing was their part of life. Now, I'm from Alaska, and I can tell you exactly what kind of nets they were. They were using gill nets. There, you got um, drag nets. You got dip netting. You got gill netting. And then you also can also have, well, sometimes the gill nets they pull behind the boats nowadays. Um, but what theirs were they, were, they were throwing them. And the gill nets are to where the, the, the squares of the net are just big enough to get the head through. But not the dorsal fin, but when they try to get out, the gills get caught, and then they're caught in the nets. That's what they were using. They were commercial fishermen. That's all they did all their entire life. So they were, Jesus was trying to get across them that's no longer fish, but people. Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So they made a commitment not only in their belief system. And we had to make adjustments in our belief system, but they made an adjustment in their, in their commitments. And we, we have to make adjustments in our commitments as well when God calls us to do something. Think about this for a second. Let's back up to our belief system. When you got saved, you had a basic foundation, and it was it's solid, but as you grow in Christ, you, you have to be added to that. And as that added to it, your faith and your strength becomes stronger in the Lord. And your ability to trust him gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So as we learn about, you know, God the Father is absolutely total forgiveness to us. Um, Jesus, God the Son, how he's 100%, 100% man and 100% God at the same time. And that's called the hyperstatic union. That, and that means basically that he didn't lay anything aside. He just chose not to exercise it until he, even at the age of 12, he walked into that temple, started reading and he read with authority. And they knew that he was different, but they didn't know they didn't know how. We had to make adjustments with the Holy Spirit. We have to learn about the Holy Spirit, how he guides us, and how he whispers in our ear, and, and how he convicts us. And and it just goes on and on and on. And our our belief system is always, should be always growing. And theirs were too. And our commitments have to change. When God causes you some, sometimes you, you have a young man that's called to go off to Bible College. And when we went off to Bible College, we only had Paul, Josh, and Grayson. And these are our airline tickets right here that I saved. I don't know. These are probably 25 years old. One-way tickets. We didn't have a plan B. Plan A. That's what we're doing. That's what we did. Didn't Our house wasn't sold. We got an airplane. We lived in a hotel for probably the first month. Lord brought someone to sell our house, our house sold. We took that money and was able to invest in a house in Springfield and our payments were like 80 bucks a month. So that was a no-brainer. So God requires us to make adjustments. And this is the word of God. and, And there's five fundamentals within Christianity, not just within the Baptist, but particularly in the Baptist. The inerrancy of God's word, the blood atonement, the virgin birth, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and the return of Christ. Those are our five fundamentals of Christianity. And if you want to build a fellowship with somebody outside the Baptist realm, they believe in those things, you can have fellowship. Now, you've got to get the terminology and the definitions right, because some of the Mormons, their definitions, they sound like ours, but they're not. Okay. But it's important to understand that, that that God wants us to minister one another. And the way that we do that is we learn from our trials and tribulations and, and we have to make adjustments in those, those areas. I told you, this is about God, not about, not about me. We have to make adjustments in their in our attitude. Now, they had to make a huge adjustment in their attitude. So one was their belief system. Second was their commitments. The third one is their, their attitude. Because their God was their God. Their God was nobody else's God. And the Gentiles were out. Now they had what they called Hellenistic Jews. You know, I learned a lot of stuff at Bible called. Some's in the Bible, some's not in the Bible. But, um, um, the Hellenistic Jews were people like Ruth, who came in. She, was well, she? She was a she. Um, she came in and she um, took on Naomi's God. Okay. So you had you had you had people that were outside of the Jewish nation that actually believed in in, in the Jews in, the, in in the nation of Israel's God, and they were called Hellenistic Jews. That's a term that, that somebody came up with. It's not in here, Bible College. So um, so when they went into the when they went into the tabernacle, you know, he had the outer court, the inner court, and then the, and then the Holy of Holies. Where the outer court was for the for the women and for the Hellenistic Jews, the the Jewish nation would go in, the men would go into the to the inner court. And so they had to make an adjustment in their attitude. You know, Jesus didn't just die for the Jews. He died for the whole world. Right. And so, and not only that, they the, the Jews that actually became believers, the whole book of Hebrews is written to that, to, that addresses that issue. That they're being, the Jews that are believing in in, in the way, that's what they called it, they were being persecuted by, by their own people because they, they felt that, well, you abandoned, you abandoned Judaism. Well, you have to understand something. That when Christ went to the cross, Judaism was completed. As far as the way that they worshipped was completed. Now they had to believe in, the, in, in, in their Messiah, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, and that he was their Messiah. But not only for the nation of Israel, but also for the Gentiles. So they had a huge adjustment that they had to do. And the apostles, the apostles had no problem with that. Um, they did in the beginning, but as they went on, they realized the importance, they, they realized the importance of the cross and what and what that was for the sacrifice for the whole world. They had to make adjustments with their family, their wives, being spiritual leaders and whatnot. They had to make a huge, and we have to make the same adjustments in our life. Is Ralph here today, tonight, Hollinsworth? Boy, I was praying for him today. Um, I'm going to have to skip some points here because it's already seven. Um, I just want to say this, though, that the making of our adjustment is a revelation of our faith in him. If our faith is what it ought to be, it will lead us to take the steps necessary in order to do what God wants us to do. But our actions and our attitudes are going to reveal the depth and the quality of our faith. Now, when I, when I was here on Sunday night, my son got killed Friday. I don't know if you remember me saying this or not. I, I, I said publicly that if, uh, let see if I remember exactly what I said. That if, that, if, that, if, that if someone would get saved as a result of Grayson's death, that I was okay with that. And I'm okay with that. Children don't belong to me. They belong to the Lord. It's my job just to raise them in the nurture and admonition. Some go, some go the way, some don't, and then they come back, and then some don't. That's just, that's just how it is, parents. <clears throat> Hopefully, we want them to go straight and narrow. So let's look all the way through the Bible. We just don't have to look at Peter and Andrew, James, and John. I mean, you can go all the way through the Bible. You can start Genesis. What about Noah? I mean, Noah had to make adjustments. If he wouldn't have made adjustments, he would have died. What's rain, Lord? What? An ark? How long? How high? How long do I got? 120 years. I don't know how long Is that what it was? 120 years to build it? I don't. I think so. I think it was a long time. He preached for 120 years. What about um, David. Shepherd of sheep, backside. They came to him and said, well, do you have any other sons? Well, yeah, I got one on the backside over here. He's just a young man. God anointed him at a young age. And then he had to run, had to hide in caves, had to run from Saul. Thank God for Jonathan. What about Jonah? God goes to Jonah and says, I want you to preach the truth of the one true God. Go where? To Nineveh? Okay, Nineveh was, Nineveh was um, again, Bible college. They said that um, the king of Nineveh was ruthless. That any of the other nations that he conquered, he would, you know, I got young, I got big pictures, little ears in here. Um, and they would stack them in the middle, of the middle of the town to show off what they did. And Jonah, what did he preach? Eight words? It was it an eight-word sermon? Six-word sermon? Eight-word sermon? And the whole time. But he hated it. He didn't want them to get saved. Kind of like the nation of Israel. You know, this is our God. What about, um, oh boy, um, Moses? Huge adjustments. You know, he couldn't talk very well. The reason he couldn't talk very well because he wasn't raised with his people. Wasn't necessarily had a some say he had a speech in him and I, I just think he didn't couldn't talk Hebrew very well because he's with the Egyptians all the time. Goes up to the mount, sees the glory of God, take off your sandals. What about Abraham? Abraham. I'm gonna build a nation through you through through whom this Messiah is coming. Going to be that your, your family is going to be so large more than the, what the sands of the sea or the sands of the beach. Or about Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Saul was, Saul was dedicated, okay? If, they laid the clothes at his feet when Stephen was stoned. Uh, Paul was a, um, what was that term? Um, What was he? A Pharisee. Uh, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was, uh, what was that uh, that he belonged to? Um, my mind, the older you get, the more it's up here somewhere. I'm just trying to find it. Um, and there's a group that he belonged to. It was a very prestigious group. I can't remember the name of it. Um, it'll come to me. Anyways, they laid the clothes at his feet because he was, he was an overseer of that. And he, and he, and he witnessed And he actually condoned um, the the stoning of Stephen. He he, he, he let it go on. And he had to live with that the rest of his life. But then he's on his way to Damascus. God strikes him down and his life completely changes. And he realizes he was fighting the wrong fight. Going the wrong direction. He thought he had the right reason but he had the wrong reason. And Paul... Thank God for Paul. Look how, many, man, look how many books that we have in here because, because he's willing to make the adjustments and to, and to follow the Lord. I'm just getting this, that God requires us to make adjustments in life. And, and if you don't make the adjustments, you don't know what you're going to miss. Now, this is, this is a principle that I learned a long time ago. Is it easy, easier today? No, because it's difficult. It's painful It hurts. And so, but just look, just look at these men would have lost, and look what they would have missed. They would have missed almost three years walking with God, Peter and Andrew, James and John. They would have missed sitting around the fire with Jesus, listening and talking about the Father. They would have missed watching him heal, heal blind people, lame people, raise people from the dead. They would have missed him feeding the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fish. They would have missed that crucial time when Christ was at the Garden of Gethsemane praying as if great drops of blood was sweat, like sweat was dripping from him. They would have missed Calvary. They would have missed the resurrection. They would have missed the ascension. They would have missed being in the upper room, being baptized by the Holy Spirit. They would have missed the beginning of the New Testament church. They would have missed the suffering for Christ to stand up for him, to stand strong, stand firm, and stand tall, right? They would have missed being the foundation of the New Testament church. And they would have missed the opportunity to die a martyr's death for the cause of Christ. Now, I'm not naive enough. I've been a Christian long enough that there's one, several in here that God is bringing something to your mind that he wants you to make an adjustment on. And you have to make that adjustment. You have to make that choice of whether or not to be obedient or not. It's never easy. But the rewards are unbelievable. Unbelievable.